Welcome to Drinking During Business Hours, where we have interesting conversations over a great bottle of wine. I'm Sarah J. Halstead, your host. Support the show by subscribing, following, and liking our episodes. Check out my website, Sarah J. Halstead, for the latest stand updates and all my social media links. Thank you so much for joining us today. Once again, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Los Angeles, not a cloud in the sky, and we are in a dark studio in the basement with no windows. And I tell you, there's no place I'd rather be. I am really excited today for this guest. Today I have wine expert and wine personality Ian Blackburn. You know, one of the reasons I went back to podcasting and I'm, I'm revamping this program, Drinking During Business Hours, is just to get, just to have a chance to sit down with friends. Creatives in this town, their bandwidth is just incredibly maxed, and we never seem to find time as much as we would like to, but it's difficult to find time to sit down and have lunch or coffee and really catch up. So, This is just a great opportunity for me to talk to an old, dear friend with whom I respect so much. Ian Blackburn, where do I start? He is a published author. He is at advanced level of his WSET. He founded uh, ZoomIntoWine.com during the pandemic and was really on the forefront of that. And as a result, he has acclaim uh, uh, nationwide. He has over 50,000 subscribers. He has hosted over a million students uh, to various wineries. He has a wine brand called Beekeeper. Check it out. It's absolutely excellent, excellent, high-quality wine. And he has a wine store, as if all of the above were not enough. He has uh, his family's wine store, Merchant of Wine. And ladies and gentlemen, I graciously, graciously give you Ian Blackburn. Holy moly. Hi. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Sarah. That's very nice of you. And you were so nice. You brought. You're the first guest to bring. Well, since the revamp, you're the, ge- you're the first guest to bring wine. Oh wow! Well, I thank have you. Wine will travel. <laughs> cheers. Well, cheers. <laughs> no, um, it is a beautiful uh, day. So I, I brought you a little rosé because I'm feeling rosé out there today. I'm feeling rosé. And I don't want to be like one of those middle-aged women, rosé every day. But you know what? Rosé every day. Well, especially on a beautiful day like today. It's screaming rosé. Come on. It's screaming rosé. And I love that. You know, we're entering spring and it's just rosé is in the air. Mm-hmm. So what is this wine? So we're just drinking. So I, I wanted to pull something fun. And in my little shop, I have like this kind of 50 shades of rosé selection of different grape varieties, wild, weird stuff that you've never heard of before. And this is a Negro Moro from Southern Italy, from Salentano. It's called Creos, and it's imported by Frederick Wildman. And uh, not very many people have tried a rosé from Negro Moro, but I love Italian uh, varieties done in the rosé style, and they just... It has a little bit more acidity, freshness, but also a little bit more richness and ripeness because this is a pretty warm spot Mm. in the southern part of Italy. Okay, well, what a treat. I don't really have access to old world wines. I've been a little out of the loop as of late, (laughs) and so this is a real treat for me. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, thanks for bringing this. Sure. And we don't have a spittoon. 
here so in Studio to, Nine. Have to drink it all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a nice pour. It's a nice pour. So, uh, I think we should start because this is just a great story. Let's talk about how we met. Oh, fun! It, it's fun. You just may be my oldest friend in the wine industry. Yeah, let's capitalize the old. Do we even want to throw out? Do we want? Okay, first of all, we were children. We We, really, really were. We were. I was Dewey. It was as were you. We had no pores, mm -mm. and there was no boundaries. I mean, we were. We had. I think we met in. uh, We met in New York. We met in New York City, and we just made the most of that moment. And we went out late into the evening and explored New York, like New York needs you to do. God, and we found nothing, all the great places. And... Nothing better. Mm. Nothing better than New York City during that time. It was it was prior to 9-11. Yep. Ra- like, really, really prior. Like, I, I want to say, like, barely prior. Barely. Um, I think we met in 2000. It was, like, I, it was either early 2000 or late 99. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I was brand spanking new to the wine industry. I was an actor. And my mom had just passed away, and I wanted to do something that to take a break from drama. And the only other skill I had was wine because I had been a bartender. Mm. So I got hired by faking it through the interview. I just memorized some fancy adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a company called Peerless Importers, oh, yeah. the Magliocos, hired me as their fine wine specialist. I, ne- I barely knew Cabernet from Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. And you were the supplier. You worked for Cobrand. Yeah. And I was there in New York, as were you, training mm-hmm. with Cobrand. Mm-hmm. And that this was such an awesome experience. And that all went away, you know. They don't even do that stuff anymore. It's really a shame because too bad. people really need that training. I really needed it, I could tell you that Well, much. the training was great, but the fun of getting to see you know, the wine world and the wine sales activities in another state and with other distributors and then, mm-hmm. you know, ground you know, being in the in the boardrooms and the and the ground floor of the company that you're working for that's national and seeing it in action and all that stuff. It was really, really special to me and gaining my appreciation for that company. Yes, yes. You were the expert then, that's for sure. And I uh, was thrown into the wolves. They wanted me to host an event, a very highfalutin, I think it was a private member event, maybe near Gramercy Park, uh, location-wise, and you were accompanying me because it was your wines, and I got up to the podium and just really ate a you-know-what. <laughs> I'll just say, no I'll just say, I, and I, I, and I can fine. edit this out because I know that your audience is more refined than mine. I ate a dick. <laughs> I don't care. I don't, uh, and I can, you know, if you want me to edit that part out uh, out, uh, out of respect for your audience, Ian Blackburn, no. uh, but you were so cool and you got up there after me, you kind of interjected and you just sort of organically, before I knew it, you were standing to my left and you just kind of organically took over. And I will <laughs> never forget my gratitude. <laughs> I have very little recollection of that, sir. Oh, not, no. I oh, remember really? it. I oh, remember wow. it vividly. You saved me. I'm sorry. No, I, you saved my ass. Oh, wow. Well, that I said something is what of, friends are for. <laughs> I said something about it. This is just a great wine for fall <laughs> I had no idea 
I was just faking it. Uh, well, knew you, very, very little about wine. You so. probably you weren't inaccurate. <laughs> it was a fall wine, um, a fall back wine, more like it. Um, but uh, so that was the the beginning of a very long friendship. Ah, well. And you you have been there for me through thick and thin, and you come to my comedy shows, and we've had dinner, and I adore your wife, Alice. She's and, great, and she really uh, enjoys you as well, and that's what makes it fun. Uh, to be able to pull great people together. And that's what I'm attracted to, you know, just being able to be in your presence. You're just such a positive force. So. Oh, thank you. Thank I you. Like that's that. why we're friends. <laughs> so where should we start here? I think, you know, um, so did you, what was your first wine? Like, How did you know that you wanted to get into the wine industry? Because back in mm. the day, we didn't really necessarily know that that was an option. I, I mean, wine industry? Yeah. I was like, what is that? You know, I, I, I went to an <clears throat> engineering school. Uh, to become an engineer because that's what my father was. Oh. And I was failing miserably, okay? I would go to school, get my ass kicked all day long, and then go to work, and I was working in the restaurant world to pay my way through college, and I loved going to work. I loved being in school. I loved uh, that whole moment. Mm -hmm. But I was not doing well as a student in engineering. Even though in, in high school I was quite a good student and got good grades, but mm -hmm, man, mm -hmm. that bar was high. Yeah. Well, when you're not passionate about something. Yep. And that, 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 that was absolutely true. Mm -hmm. And you just, you had no idea. You were just, you're, you know, you're 16 years old. You kind of have to pick what you're going to be when you grow up at that moment. And there's no box on this form that you're looking at saying, how about working in the wine industry when you're 16? Yeah. And so I uh, was working in the restaurants and there was a real dearth of knowledge and it was always my slot to become that person that could help people understand what we had, you know, whether it was, you know, bartending ingredients or wine list products. Mm -hmm. And that became my niche. I just found that's just, just naturally what I, I was clicked. inclined to do. Mm -hmm. And um, when I, I started a wine education website in 1995, we were actually, I think, technically the very first wine education pure play on the Internet. Mm. Mm. with Learn About Wine, and it was m kind of a glorified blog back then, mm -hmm. but it turned into me teaching some classes and using that as a method to kind of bond with my restaurant accounts, bringing events there, mm -hmm. Then it became about building a database and being able to promote things, and soon, you know, by 2005, it became a, a, a fork in the road. It was mm. like, do I stay with a corporate world of co-brand and, and the best job on the planet. Yes. And you did it very well. I loved that company. You were they very really established. Good care of me. Had a network. I had golden handcuffs. It yes. was like, how yes. do I leave this perfect job? A lot of perks, these jobs. Yeah. So for the listeners that don't know, uh, you know, when you, when you land a, a job, a, a corporate job within the industry wine, of wine, you, you know, you get a car allowance and they pay for your phone and your Wi-Fi and your health care and a expense nice account expense account uh, based access salary. to all the wines right and then you're and literally my job was event planner basically because we had so many great suppliers that wanted to come out and so i was touring you know rock stars of wine wow. claude tattinger and mm -hmm. uh, uh, piero and chisa from sesakaya and oh, the portfolio and just, was just amazing just you know, immense you know, the, it was a it was beast. louis jadot and jacques lardier it was really an incredible moment and i was i had the very best job in the wine world and it was absolutely 
one of the hardest decisions to ever make to leave that company. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I knew if I didn't, I would never take the chance mm -hmm. of doing something on my own. And, uh, and so you, it took, a, it took a lot yeah. of, uh, of gumption and it and wasn't financially, it was, it was not the right call. Well, it was, well, <laughs> it, it right was a risk, but you're, you're the epitome of an entrepreneur today. Mm. And that would never be the case had yeah, you had you I'm played it safe. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out a path every day. It's, you got to pick a new lane, especially in this world where you're the word pivot. Yes, you know, I've pivoted so I noticed, many times. Yeah. I feel like Nadia Comaneci doing a back, you know, <laughs> double Lindsay or something. <laughs> now that's a pivot. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, so, um, but I, I think the wine world has allowed for us all to find, you know, new things to, uh, you know, aspire for and change and grow and, mm -hmm. and staying at a company can get a little stale. It can, it can. And it's, it's nice to have the edge and, and leave on your own terms. And, uh, what was that? Um, what, what did you do immediately following co-brand? What did you start at that point? In I, time? I went into like, do try to do it all mode, which was okay. absolutely not the right idea. But um, really, um, the impetus of me leaving the job was that in 2004, um, around August, um, southern Louisiana, the storm, Katrina. Mm. Um, we had just finished a series of events here in Los Angeles with my team, and we were like, thank God we finished. And then all of a sudden Katrina hit very like the very next day. Oh boy. And we said, you know, let's do one big event to help Katrina. Uh -huh. And we got an amazing support from everybody we knew. In fact, the joke, it's not even a joke. It's truth. We asked a hundred restaurants and a hundred wineries if they wanted to do this with us. Mm. And everybody said, yes, I can't imagine anyone saying no. Right. And then, know? but then where do you put a hundred restaurants and a hundred wineries? You just probably weren't expecting that kind of overwhelming, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, everyone wanted yeah. to do it, what they could. It was kind of like a colossal coming together. Mm. The energy was amazing, Sarah. We had bands. We, mm. uh, we had Paul Oakenfold as our DJ. Uh, so, so I, a sidebar, Ian is a, has a, a, an extreme passion oh. for music oh, yeah. and you used to DJ. Right, I, was, this, I so. was in the clubs, and I had I loved <laughs> that world, but I love the energy that great music can bring to an event. Yes, and and we had all this kind of celebrity light uh, support of our event. We had like models and uh, entertainers and radio personalities came mm -hmm. on, and they gave us free airtime to promote it. And I knew this thing was going to go nuclear just by the number of people that were helping us and the types of people. So all these bands that came to us, I put them on the outside of the venue because it was a type of an event where you had to show up and pay at the door. Okay. And so I knew the line would be Intense. crazy. Yeah. And so we literally had like a band around every corner of the building playing. Wow. And so smart. <laughs> it was super fun and, yeah. and it worked out great. And we had thousands of, uh, people donating stuff to us. In fact, so many uh, things came and were donated to us that I was crippled. Mm. I, we couldn't put them all out on the auction. Oh, well, you were probably short on help. We, I mean, to we, just we had to unbelievable help, but you know, just it was it's so a, much. We had twenty five hundred people. We had four hundred auction items, and I had a thousand more. I I couldn't put out. Goodness. 
And so I filled a rental van with these items Mm -hmm. and I took them on tour and I took 90 day leave of absence from my job to straighten all this stuff out. And by the way, I broke like every law that there was about raising money for charity because you're supposed to have a 501c3 do it and all Mm. that stuff. Last minute. Yeah. We just, I learned the hard way what to do and not to do. And uh, well, finally, no one, finally no one knew Katrina was going to happen either in your defense. <laughs> you know, you got to just kind of, yeah. It, sometimes you have to put the people first before the red tape. Uh, and that's what we got. We got yeah. unfettered support. Like Santa Monica Police Department said, you know, you're supposed to file for this like 30 days in advance. Uh, this event's in three days. Uh, it's going to happen. We're going to make it happen. Santa Monica Police Department got behind it and, and helped me. Uh, and we had all kinds of off-duty police there and stuff like that. So it was really the, the day that event happened and it went, it went, look, it went like we had been practicing it for months. Mm. It was like every, every corner was covered really well. And it was at that moment, I'm like, this is like, we did that in like 10, 10 days. And, um, it, it created a lot of money, created a lot of expenses. Uh, we ended up <laughs> donating. I mean, back then you didn't have an unlimited cell phone bill. My cell phone yeah. bill was like $1,200. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But we ended up uh, writing about, about uh, <laughs> $300,000 in donations to the charity. and um, What a huge statement. Yeah, $300,000. It was great. For the victims of Hurricane Katrina. It was super cool. That, I mean, what I've, it, you're done. Like you're made after that. That I mean, I can't imagine uh, such an accomplishment. That's well, the ultimate. We were pretty wiped out too, and mm-hmm. um, it it wasn't a profitable venture for us by any means. We weren't setting out to make money. We were just right. there to. I mean, to help. I, we had so many volunteers, and, and we had just uh, amazing outpouring. So that's that's one of the reasons why I stayed in the wine industry too. Was that there's so much gratitude and positive energy, especially at that moment in the mm-hmm. wine industry. Mm-hmm. And it, the, certainly the industry has changed and a lot of that has kind oh, of so back. much of it has changed, yeah. but there's, but a lot of things have evolved and are really great that did not exist back then. Yeah. So is that the epiphany where you really knew that you wanted to also venture into, because you continue to raise money for various charities and was, to be very instrumental with that. It was critical. Um, and frankly, it's also purposeful because you need to have the charity support to be able mm-hmm. to get some of the licensing that you need to okay. do some of the stuff. So it, it's a really integral part of our industry, our business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have some pretty arcane liquor laws in this world. Yeah. Uh, and it would be really smart if they took this pivotal moment where we're now letting people, restaurants serve to go cocktails and stuff like that. To yeah. Just go ahead and re- rewrite the laws and change them and make it simpler for business. Yeah. Wineries need it. Restaurants need it. Yeah. Uh, society needs it. Yeah. Uh, wine is not uh, crack. You know, no. it's, it's not, it's also not a firearm. Right. And we have a lot of other issues in the world to conquer. We don't, shouldn't need to be babysitting every, you know, everybody's wine list. Right. right. And so uh, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm all about that. And, uh, and so we, we continue to try to evolve with the, with the industry and create different stuff. And, and, and today we're, we're still at it. So. And you're doing a lot of other things as well. So yeah, we got it. We're always looking for that next opportunity. You know, we can't stay, stay uh, doing what we used to do. We're we're, we're always trying to change. Uh, What is the latest with beekeeper? 
So we had uh, our first vintage in 2009, mm -hmm. and um, that was in a response to trying to get my Master of Wine. I wanted to study for that. And, and my best friend, Clay Moritzen, who you know, um, told me at that time, he goes, if you really want to learn how to make your own wine, you should make your own wine. Mm. Mm. And, Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and, yeah. and he uh, he and I planted a vineyard in 98. And it was like, that day was really special because he was like, this is going to be my future. You know, this is rock pile Appalachian. And, and where was the vineyard? Yeah. Uh, beautiful uh, Madrone Spring Vineyard in rock pile. Part uh -oh, of his family's oh, uh, okay. land holding. And, mm -hmm. and it's a long, great story about how Clay's family you know, got handed this piece of shit set of hills mm -hmm. um, in exchange for prime real estate that they used to own mm. after the land grants. And the, they took a lot of their land away to make the uh, Sonoma, Lake Sonoma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they, they got offered these kind of leftover hill sets sets and and at that time the Morrisons were sheep farmers they couldn't use hills to graze sheep especially these hills um so it was kind of a bad deal at the moment which turned into a golden blessing because there's no better place to grow grapes than rock pile okay and this is where you first yeah. planted beekeeper yeah and beekeeper was born beekeeper was born in rock pile and uh so 10 vintages later we're now in our 18, 2018s, and uh, so exciting. it's been a, been a real exciting run. We've had a couple of tough breaks with the 19 and the 20 vintage with some fire issues yeah, and stuff. But, really uh, bad. But we uh, have a promising future, and uh, it, I, you know, I wasn't very well funded to do the project. I, I didn't set out to make a lot of wine. I just had enough money to make a, a good wine mm -hmm. and that was always my That's, goal not sure. to be the biggest but to try to be the best yes yes and today i see beekeeper on <laughs> some of the most impressive and difficult uh to get into um with with various psalms on their wine lists um uh, what are some of the restaurants where, where people can find Beekeeper? Because I, I knew where it used to be, but I don't want to be incorrect yeah. now. I mean, yeah. it changes. I, quite honestly, I might not even know them all. Oh, right oh now. okay. But, but, okay. The, um, but the, the, the spots that I've been very proud to maintain, spots with restaurants like Ennaka, mm -hmm. um, Otium. Um, OTM downtown LA. Yeah, Melise restaurant. Melise, these are really. Providence, Cali. Very established, highfalutin restaurants throughout Los Angeles with really difficult sommeliers. And I don't mean to call them difficult, but when I say difficult, it's difficult to get a placement within. It's just very, very competitive. These psalms see so many um, vintners and, and uh, wine personalities and wine salespeople and, and, uh, and winemakers per week. Yeah. And there are just so many so many wines today and wouldn't you say that you it's it, it takes more than a great bottle of wine to get into um to get on a wine list today absolutely mm -hmm. i think it's a connection with a story somebody just bought a beekeeper oh is that what that means it was it was a cha-ching yep. <laughs> you know they must have heard that we just manifested that Ian. exactly they heard it they yeah whoever bought their ears were ringing oh yeah beekeeper <laughs> yeah so we're you know we uh we love the the selling process and i really you know being 
kind of from that sales and marketing background. But um, when he, you knowing that the product is really good in the bottle, I developed a storyline that's just pretty irresistible for a top restaurant. It's important to have a storyline. It's important to um, to have an enriched story that people are going to remember. Yeah. So what is the story? So I'm making top quality Zinfandel that gets lots of press praise mm-hmm. um, in a marketplace where Zinfandel hasn't had a lot of innovation. Okay. So we're a fairly young, new brand inside of a fairly old machine, bringing some new excitement to the wine, to the restaurant industry. And I did, I'm, uh, for the first 10 years, this brand was restaurant only. And uh, so no retail. And that's uh, very appealing to a lot of wine buyers and in restaurants. I, I think it has, you know, there's a, there are wines that can succeed in that model. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the case anymore for Beekeeper. We're playing on both sides of the fence a little bit more now. But, yes. But, uh, Especially with the pandemic. Exactly. Right. And uh, so we are um, certified, um, uh, we're certified uh, sustainable farm. Mm, uh, big perk. Yeah, People really care about that so today. That's the ethos of the wine, you know, we're dry farmed, we're hillside. And then stylistically, our wine is made for food, mm. which a lot of Zinfandels couldn't say that. Yes, they're so huge. Huge, jammy. overripe, jammy. Right. And really kind of berry food flavors Chewy. where ours lift them up. And okay. I would say, you know, there's plenty of power in my wine, but there's a lot of finesse. And the key word that I love to describe our wine is balance. Mm. Being able to have that, uh, you know, smell of the vineyard. Uh, my fruit is super premium um, and we do nothing to try to interfere with that and uh, really let the vineyard speak through the wine, it's mm-hmm. an important part of our project too. You can make jammy, overripe, juicy, yu- yummy Zinfandel from pretty much anywhere, but to have it become something that's ageable, that uh, gains quality over time, that uh, has some good acidity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 yet does still reward people that just like big dark red california mountain wines because that's what this is oh i love that description Mm. and what do you eat with your beekeeper what do you enjoy cuisine wise dinosaur i'm really big yeah Yeah. i'm really big into the big game (laughs) (laughs) t-rex yeah Yeah, exactly a little sigh of t-rex going with the beekeeper (laughs) you know uh it's surprising what i love to because and when you make wine, you try to make a wine that you enjoy tr- drinking yeah, as well. Yeah. And my cuisine over the past five years has kind of changed as I have changed a little bit too. And I've become very mm. Mediterranean, very mm. like, you know, chicken kebab, lamb kebab, mm. uh, green salads, um, light. Uh, I, you know, some of my travel, I travel a lot and went to Greece and went to Eastern Europe and, uh, mm. and I, and I just love the Moroccan type of spices oh, and boy. stuff. And yeah. I, I, I like, I find some of those in our wine. So mm-hmm. I really think that that's a really great opportunity for our wine. Boy, I definitely want to try that pairing. Let's get it going. And, and we have, we have national, actually we have international listeners, but do you ship nationwide? Mm. 
We can actually ship worldwide. Okay, we have worldwide. We have a lot of people listening from Pakistan. Oh, right. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You ship to Pakistan. (laughs) I'm friends with a lot of, that's my biggest following. I I think that's a great marketplace. Not not necessarily the good guys. (laughs) Uh, Hey, you've you've really tapped it. But no, we have people from London. We have people from China. We have people from New Zealand and Australia and um, and then we have a lot of people like in New York and Chicago and Flint, a lot of, a lot of people from Flint. Like Flint yeah. yeah. I like good people of Flint, Michigan. Well, so. I have a customer in actually two in London that ship uh, fairly regularly. Oh, that's cool. And that's, that's a fairly expensive option. I will say that okay. shipping international is not, you know, the, the, for the meek. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, but what a compliment that yeah. you have. Of fans, yeah, in in London, yeah, I mean that's that will, cool. that will pay, and they're super cool people, which is actually they maybe must the be. best compliment because uh, they have the greatest taste and the greatest. Yes, style, they do. So. They do. They can. They're the only people who can wear orange pants with red socks and get away with it, <laughs> and a pink scarf and look cool. How do they? What is it? They just they do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. The the most eclectic mm-hmm. style, and they just they pull it off so well. They know how to layer. They they know how to layer, and <laughs> and they know how to drink. Hence, they're ordering Beekeeper. But but where would they order? Like, is there a website? Yeah, beekeepersellers.com. Okay. And uh, we have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram. You can find Beekeeper there. And um, yeah, let me pour some for I you. I need there, to sorry. catch up with you. you how you did kinda, you finish that? So I pounded that rosé. When did you, you do that? You've been talking. Been, you've been talking. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you've been talking. I'm, oh my gosh, this is. Ah, drinking. Um, this is drinking during business hours. That's it. Well, the irony is business hours for us. I mean, it's Sunday, but th- these are still technically <clears throat> sometimes our business hours. We, we live in a world where you, you don't really work. You know, it's a lifestyle. And so uh, we take it where we can get it and we're doing stuff all, all the time. So you're drinking today. I brought something from the library. I brought a little 14. Oh, the library. The library. Feeling very special right now. I right love next. the label. Love, love, love. Oh, thanks. And um, there's a cool story behind the label. If you're ever in downtown LA and you see these amazing murals that look like Sanskrit and stuff like that, mm. I fell in love with this wall art that this this artist was making. And he's actually accomplished, uh, highly educated uh, art teacher named Peter Greco. Okay. And I talked to him. I said, Peter, have you ever done a label for a winery? And he's like, no, I'd love to. And I told him about the project. He did this in pencil. And then we catted it over with a, you know, computer. And then the evolution was, so we started printing it straight to glass and it really took on a a new dimension. I tell you, people are very, very visual, as Mm. you know, Mm. and this is a cool label with a cool story. You yeah. never shared that with me before about the local artist. Yeah, that's that was a, a really fun little punch for the L.A. restaurants. But, uh, you know, we, we do sell it to uh, restaurants in Arizona and Texas and mm. Vegas and Northern California is starting to really become a great spot for our, our wine. But um, and there's also a good story behind the name Beekeeper, because when my family came to America in 1851, from Germany, mm. uh, they were Neat. early vaudeville. Oh, now you're getting into my arena. Yeah, and they, right. they couldn't be entertainers. 
to come mm-hmm. into America. There was actually no entertainers allowed because it was kind of an anti-gay law. Okay. And so they lied and said, look at that. I'm just I'm showing up. I'm wearing, I'm wearing my love is love shirt. Your today. breasts just keep popping up. <laughs> you wear it well. You wear it well. Love is love. Love is love. And uh, so 1851, my, my grandparents came to America and lied to get into America saying that they were beekeepers. Wow. Yeah. So I have my uncle, who is a lifetime military man, his radio handle was beekeeper. Oh. And he said, we come from a long line of beekeepers that have never had any bees. And he said, <laughs> this is my perfect name. Sarah, I couldn't believe the name was available. Oh, it's it's a badass name. I know. And I was just I, lucky I was able to get beekeeper trademarked and... I really yeah. do have an affinity. I, I love beekeepers and I love bees so much. But they're real. But this is just, you know, tracing back to your 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 heritage and and how they came to America. It's a very cool story. Yeah, and you know, my my grandparents were very successful stage entertainers. Uh, so I, I never knew this. My I, I was the generation that was not encouraged to go into show business or anything, but my grandmother Mm. uh, grew up with the Marx brothers and traveled her whole life with them. I never knew that. And my grandfather was, met her on the stage. He was a dancer, tumbler. They worked on the big stages and the big markets on the East coast and living in a train right through the great depression and the way they wow. paid their bills is one of them was probably the stage manager and one of them was the, mm-hmm. the costume person and all that, you know, they had five jobs to do. So poetic. And, um, my grandfather, uh, his last project was the, uh, first effort behind, uh, the wizard of Oz. He was a dance choreographer by that time and they never even paid him. Wow. What? Yeah. Oh, in fact, he, he, he was a choreographer so closely related to the movie. Apparently the original tin man got painted in silver paint and died of lead poisoning. Oh, so maybe he doesn't want to be associated with that. <laughs> well, he was the only one that knew the act and he, he would, would have been cast as a tin man, but he couldn't sing. Ah, uh, oh, okay. So, uh, but uh, then... Well, neither could Tin Man, really. Yeah, I, I mean, know, it's whole, all about the whole... What was that? How did that go? The squeaky If I only had a brain, right? Um, was that the Scarecrow? Oh, thought, uh, that was the Scarecrow. Yeah, tin Man yeah, was tin another... Man. He uh, needed a heart. He needed a heart. Okay. Yeah. Well... Oh, it gives me chills. <laughs> <laughs> I had to I had to go home and watch Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and well, think, he, think he, about that he, poor tin man that didn't make it through the paint job. He never, <laughs> didn't get any credits or anything for working on that because that was the first effort. And apparently, this movie was like cursed, and mm. he never he, he said he never even got paid. Oh, that's just so, wrong. Yeah, that that yeah. was the time, and then some weird things were happening in Hollywood: McCarthyism, McCarthyism type stuff, and blacklisting. And oh, still happening. And, and trust they, me. And they felt they felt like it was a good time to hang it up. And okay, that's when they retired. 
so they would not have made it through the woke movement. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. <laughs> Absolutely. My, my, grandparents, my grandparents were about the least woke people aye, ever. Aye. Yeah. They wouldn't have lasted on that fine line. Yeah, um, they, they lived a long culture. life, though. They what? lived until they were in their late 90s, and it oh, was always cool. great. Those are good to, they were. I have to say, to me, you are a quintessential entertainer. Mm. So it definitely, you inherit, you have that gene. It's that vaudevillian, uh, you, you sell the elixir. It. Well, with what you do, because a lot of this, I don't think I would be as successful in the industry, in the wine industry, if I weren't an actor. Mm. And uh, and had that entertainment, you know, because this involves a lot of public speaking. Absolutely. I mean, you entertain you you have so maybe we should talk about that layer of what you do. Sure. With the with um, your students and and the travel and entertainment portion of things. You bet. I I love talking about different wines because it really helps me ultimately engage the product at a level. A passion, connection, uh, an information, a storytelling, you know, type of thing. I mean, uh, and that's what I've loved about the life I've been able to lead is that I've been able to travel all over the world and go to a lot of these places. So, I mean, there's very little wine country I haven't been to yet and at least, you know, been close to anyway. Yeah, I'm uh, not surprised. I I would... Like where haven't you been? I'm just curious because it can't be very many. Yeah, I ha- um, there's 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 I mean there's a whole vast empire of up and coming vineyard area. You know, really? from China to India to oh. Mount Fuji, Japan. Okay. I haven't been so to those real folks, obscure those places, that aren't but, really as known for yeah, wine. Yeah, but the classics I have probably been there. Every to every single one. Yeah, and and That's I still so I still need to get to um, it's a lot Austria, of land, folks. I still get, need to get to Austria. Oh, okay. Uh, but um, that's going to happen, and uh, and I love taking people with me. And that's how I afford to travel too. I take a small group of ten people with me, and we we meet the producers, and we eat the local food, and we, you know, try to embrace that lifestyle that they're le- leading there, and and so we'll be doing that. I would watch that show. Mm. That's it's it's it is made. I mean, it is reality TV in a box, ready to go? Yeah. Give me I a call. Bring a camera, because it is like the best time ever. Um, and you, it's the, the when you travel to the wine country, you see you know the things that make these wines special, the history, the buildings, the people. You smell the air. You. Um, you know, you sense the history and you taste it in the wines. And that's what I think keeps me inspired with this industry too, because you still got to love it, even though you you have to love it because it's, this has never been a a financial uh, boon. It's always, you know, how do I get to the next month and the next quarter and the next year? Figuring out that has always been part of the challenge, but, it's the passion that I still have for the product that keeps me going and makes me confident that I'll find a path. Oh, and you, you have found a path. You found several Robert Frost, two roads diverge in a yellow wood moment. I live by that poem. And some days I, I feel like I took the path that didn't have a gas station. (laughs) (laughs) And I was the dummy that didn't ask for directions. 
Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> we Thank never. Thank God for GPS. <laughs> But would you would you say you know you you have to go through those uh, um, those journeys to say okay done that cross it off the list and add that to your uh, um, to your uh, for lack of a better term toolbox sure. for Resume, the next venture whatever. exactly yeah I mean I, I think of it like <clears throat> feathers on a bird you know the more feathers better you'll fly. Type yeah, of thing, yeah. You know? and, or, and, and literally the connection that you make with that new place just lifts you up again and kind of reinvigorates you every single time. So that's why it's important for me. I mean, not everybody's built for it, but no. getting out there and, and, and meeting these people and tasting their wines and hearing their plights as well. Oh, I mean, that's, that's such, the poetry. Ooh, and it, the some of these people are, have survived like the the worst of the worst, Sarah, like mm. we were just in Italy in, in November and we sat with this amazing family and they told us their story, how, you know, like World War Two, they were, they were. Oh they, yeah. That's when everything imagine? happened. Wine and war. And, and that was. Everything happened when the wine industry in during that time. Of, of, or they were on the wrong side of the war, mm. you know? Sure. They were. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 how they had to come back from that, and and we they, we were able to stay in their guest house, which was like a 13th century castle that they just re- restored. So cool, oh, so cool. Um, I want to go back to the entertainment portion of things for just a second sure. because I just want to reiterate. For, firstly, I think it's one of the reasons for our friendship. I think one of the reasons that we I don't tend to like. I don't tend to hang out with a lot of people in the wine world, just to be honest. You know, it's been my bread and butter for decades. I'm very appreciative of it. But the personalities aren't always, you know, they're just not always people that I necessarily want to hang out with during my free time. But with you, because you have that je ne sais quoi, that you have that charisma and you have that thing... Um, and some winemakers do have it. I, I'm I'm friends with a lot of winemakers, mm. not wine salesmen or not one, but I'm I, I do have a lot of winemaker friends. Sure, they're almost like the, they, the stars of of they their, are of their industry. They right? are, and I just but I, I I want to let you know kind of paint this picture for the listeners. If you don't have personality behind the brand, to be to to be um, uh, relevant. In this sea of wine brands today, I, there are so many wines. And to really stand out, you have to be a personality. You have to be memorable and you have to know how to connect with people. Mm. You need to know how to tap into their heart to make them remember. Mm. And you do that. Mm, I've, I've attended your events. Well, your your praise is is like a nice big hug over well, here. It's, I'm it's, feeling it's, it. Well, feeling I, it. So but I, I have it as a comic. That's what we have to do. We have yeah. to, you know, really just penetrate the eyes and the audiences. There's no fourth wall. You have to look at everyone. And it's an intimate two-way conversation. And uh, it's difficult. Not everyone can do it. Oh, Sarah, I have the greatest respect for you for being up there. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just went and saw your show. Yes, okay. you did. It and meant a I lot loved, to me that you were there. Loved, loved every second of it. Really? I, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, but, listen to me. Really? But, Tell me more. 
I'm watching you. Tell me every detail. You mine as well go up on stage Uh, naked, though. I mean, you you are literally so vulnerable. I tell them my life or it's not interesting. They know if I'm lying. And all the talent that you assorted together that night, too, just Mm. really was... I produced the night. So I had this monthly show, Bottle Shock, at the Hollywood Improv. I put together all the comics and... And and I have I, I give myself a little roll. I give myself a, a tight ten. And, Sarah, uh, you made something special happen there. Thank you. And I will be at every single <laughs> event. I, seriously, the two things I go and blow money on without even thinking about it, comedy shows. I go out a lot. It's because if you can't laugh, well, I know you like comedy. I, I, think, yeah. I think I mean laughter is so. I mean, it, much a part of of happiness i mean it is like directly it, it, connected it's, well it's it's just so ridiculous right now mm. and we're going through so much yeah that we have to laugh right now it's imperative the, so and then thank uh, you for concerts coming. are the other thing music that music, music. And being able to oh. get out and to feel that mm-hmm. energy and to to and explore those are my two favorite little side gigs and food I guess mm-hmm, food is mm-hmm. kind of like going out to a restaurant. It's about as wild as going to a comedy show now. So, so is that really what you missed? Tell me a little bit about the another pivot that you had to make mm. during the pandemic yeah. and the quarantine. Yeah, we went to zero. I mean, yeah. I, I had I was a live event producer, and um, I I paid my bills by having people come to my house every week for wine classes. Yes. And then, or major hotel properties in the city where I'd pull together 40, 50, 100 different wineries to do massive tastings. Yeah. I Couldn't remember. do any of that. Yeah. So we, uh, we started packaging little two ounce jars and sending them out and doing mm-hmm. Zooms. And, and I've received those jars. <laughs> I've had a couple of soirees. With, yeah, great. And I, and I think that there's a portion of that that will be very important for the future of the business and that Zoom is still an amazing platform to taste. So please join me at zoomintowine.com and Zoom check into, that out. Zoomintowine.com. You really were at the forefront of that. And now everyone is kind of replicating your model. Well, I, I thank you, but I, I actually did watch people adapt to that platform. I, I quite honestly, I was like, what is Zoom when I first heard mm-hmm. it? And I looked at it, how things were being done. I just feel like we were able to kind of use some wisdom by watching what was working and what wasn't working. And, um, you know, and it's, it's still a platform that a lot of people don't want anything to do with because they have to do it for work. Mm. And I totally get that. But if you uh, come and do one of our Zooms, I think you'll see that we bring people into our event. We're not like mm-hmm. producing a flat screen TV show where you're just drinking, watching TV. You're actually part of the show. Yeah. And that's where, that's what I love too, is mm-hmm. that spontaneous spontaneity and that kind of unexpected question that's going to come from the audience. And that's really where I think, you know, having the expertise and all those tools and the shed and the feathers on the bird, right. you know, that type of stuff, uh, we can, we can fly. And it's unscripted. Yeah. It's that impromptu totally. because it's, it's participation from people that are zooming in and it's interactive and they're drinking. So you send, they order the samples ahead of time. Yeah. What is the, yeah, and we, then you, you sign up the, for our event. You can, there's an option to sign up to watch. There's an option to sign up to get 
bottles or even just the two ounce tasting kit. Okay. And they're very, very practical where again, it's not about making money. It's just about getting audience participating mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and hopefully the end result results in you going to the store that my family owns and buying some wine right. from them. And yes. that, 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 that creates the, the food chain, you know, the, for us. So that's a great segue. So another layer, uh, merchant of wine. Yeah. Now, you did not close during the pandemic or quarantine because all of the wine industry, all everything, everything went into um, uh, uh, what was now generated out of retail stores. It personally, it was like it kind of reminded me of nine eleven. Uh, it was a very successful year for wine sales mm. uh, during the pandemic, and still because of retail stores. So did totally. that just, Merchant of Wine, did it just soar? You know, uh, because we had a database, mm -hmm. it gave us a, a lane again. We were able to say, hey, we're not going to teach classes now, but we want to send you a box of wine. And we created, you know, literally like, here's, you know, for a hundred bucks, you get a box of wine. Yeah. And we include delivery in Los Angeles mm -hmm. uh, for anything over a hundred dollars. So delivery was necessary. And, uh, yeah, we went from zero to a, a lot very quickly. I will say though, that once the markets kind of returned back to restaurants know, opening again, up, right. You know, people kind of dropped me like, you know, oh, that was fun while it lasted, but I'm ready I'm going back to my, <laughs> buying my bottle on the corner. So, uh, well, we're still, we're still an important, I, and I, we had, we saw that coming. I knew that that would happen. So. I went from being kind of like that place where you can get a hundred dollar box of wine to now having a hundred bottles of wine that are like really hard to get. Yeah. Special retail stuff that I'm able to find source, uh, use my connections to get. Mm. And ultimately long term, I think, you know, for the health of merchant wine, we'll probably get a brick and mortar store later on this year. So I love it. Yeah. It'll be our next I have, step. I have no doubt that you're going to do everything you say you're going to do because you always do. Well, yeah, it's a yeah, path. It's a path we got to explore. So we'll we'll touch that and see if we can make it happen. This Zinfandel mm. beekeeper that we're enjoying right now is so damn good. It better be. And it's so funny because we're not eating right now. Uh, only reason I don't I, normally I would provide crafty, but it, to hear it in the mic. The, 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 you know, so that I didn't provide it. It's sometimes it, you, you, the sound of swallowing wine in the mic. Can actually really, hear that yeah, too. it actually. It's <laughs> I authentic. Have to edit, I, it's authentic. <laughs> I have to edit a lot of it out, but, um, but so my point is, I would normally only drink Zinfandel with food, but this is going down just fine without. Oh. So I am so proud of this this bottle. This is a the fourteen vintage was like exactly what we. <laughs> were hoping to do okay. uh, and it was the type of vintage that gave us a long aging fruit character with it now and it's you know eight years old it's mm -hmm. or in its eighth year coming on eight years some beautiful age on it it just really melted together nicely mm -hmm. and it's exactly what we were hoping it would do is it the age that's making it um a, a little bit more um Kind of, I don't. I hate doing, uh, you know, saying old world style, but it's, uh, it's rested. It's, it's not so um, 
it's not such a fruit bomb right. as most sins. So oh, is that right. is that the age factor? Well, it's also the way we make it. Okay. Um, and those are the choices that wineries sometimes make. You know, do we want to make a wine that's easy to sell? Mm-hmm. And so you make it very, you know, coaxy with fruit and content up front. Or do you make a wine that's a little bit more reserved and will kind of come around in a few years and reward some patience? And those that's an expensive decision to make. And and then, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, the vineyard that we are working with gives us a style of fruit that really plays right into my lane of what I love. And that's that slow, patient, kind of restrained balance between earth and fruit and and then just the right touch of wood on this wine kind of guides it down a, a path that allows it to you know improve for about 10 to 12 years so uh, and but it, it honestly it if you bought this wine in 2016 and you drank it you tasted it then too it would have been good but yeah. it, but it it was like a child okay and now it's becoming an adult so a lot of longevity Mm. for beekeeper wines yeah and that's that was always the goal is to show off the best traits of zin because literally my i i I started making this wine as a part of my study for the master of wine okay um and what and and a correction too earlier you said i was in the advanced um w set Yes. I never took W set actually. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, thought you it, did. No, but a lot of people um, assume that because I, when you when you're in the Master of Wine program, you're supposed to have passed through that program. Oh. I got an exception because of my life of work. Oh. And I will tell you, it's a massive mistake to go into the MW without going through the ah, W set because okay. the W set prepares you okay. for how to study for it. And so if and when I do reappear in the mw pursuit and i hope to uh later and when i can afford to when when you have time (laughs) how are you gonna i mean goodness there aren't enough hours i'm gonna do the whole w set thing from one to four and and then go back in because it's the way to go but the um you have to kind of start your mw study with an idea okay so you're gonna pass this test and then you've got like the clock is ticking you've got about a year to submit a thesis paper. So my thesis paper was all dedicated to Zinfandel because I truly believe that if you cannot make a wine from Zinfandel that competes with the best wines of the world, Zinfandel will go away. It will become unimportant. And I think Mm. that's what the path that Zinfandel has been on for way too long. And it's, you know, the bargain wine, uh, the barbecue wine or whatever this overripe kind of, that's the stereotype version. Of- and that's the opportunity that we had is to yeah. go against that and say, no, we can make great wine from Zinfandel. And there's a bunch of great Zinfandel producers. Man, I I, mm-hmm. I am amongst giants, especially in the bees, like Bialy and Bedrock. And- <laughs> Something about the bees. Yeah. <laughs> when I go to the tastings, it was it used to be the R's, by the way, the uh, Ravenswood Ridge. And, oh, interesting. And, yeah, now it's yeah. the bees. So we're, we're promoting that. And um, it, it's just really a, f- a, a fun group of passionate people that make these grapes. And, and I love the fact that the, the vineyards, a lot of the vineyards are 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 years old and making some amazing fruit uh, for some amazing winemakers to sculpt into a bottle of wine. And, and, um, and I was just so fortunate that Clay and Mortz and 
uh, let me work with Rockpile. Yeah, is, yeah, that's just, that. That's really kind of the foundation of its greatness. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I want to share a really cool story about your really cool wife, Alice. Okay. So we had a tasting. It was right before the pandemic, and you and Alice attended this intimate tasting with a bunch of TV executives. Mm-hmm. And for a gag, I decided just for a gag, just for just to get you know for my for my own you know demented humor. I what we did is we all brought a bottle and we blinded everyone on the bottle. And a blind tasting is when you cover the bottle with aluminum foil or a brown bag or whatever. And for a gag, I brought barefoot cellars. And everyone brought really great wine. And we had to guess the region and we had to guess the vintage and the, uh, you know, and it, I, I, it's really rare if anyone guesses the producer. Very, very rare. Yeah. So as a gag, now my wine was up and I was acting like, you know, it was really special. And oh, I, I'm not sure if you're going to guess this. It was it's very highly allocated. And, you know, I kind of did this presentation of how special the wine was and the TV executives. And I'm not going to throw out any names, although I would love to. But <laughs> they were just, oh, I think this is. Oh, I, I think I think this is I don't think anyone guessed Burgundy, but they were really they were going old world. They were really just enjoying this wine. Well, this is an excellent wine. And this, you know, and um, and your wife just looked at me and said, it's barefoot sellers. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> uh, she's always very proud of when she nails a wine. She nailed it. She just knew that this was a hoax. And, and I that, looked at her and I'm like, "How did you know that? <laughs> how, would, how would she ever? I don't. Th- I can't believe Alice would ever drink barefoot cellars. So there's, how did she know that? There's no way. There's no way she would consciously oh, buy, buy it moment. or drink it." And not to say that, you know, when you're, when you're passionate about wine, you're not going to just drink any wine that's in the room. So that's the problem for me and, and our budget and wine. Yeah. Barefoot makes great wine for the money. And yeah. it's, a, I don't it's, mean to, it's a great a, gateway no, absolutely. for people. Just, but when you're a passionate wine person and you have a <laughs> wine cellar with some great wines in it, you're not probably not pulling out, you know, barefoot. So I looked at her and I, and I. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? How did you even know? Thank you for saving me right now because I would get a lot of hate. You know, What's wrong with barefoot, you snob? Exactly. Hoity toity. Oi, oi, oi. That's the line we have to walk. You know, yes. it's, there's that, you know, when you're, when you have choices to make and you can choose anything, it's probably not barefoot that you're going to pick. So, so let's talk about your magical marriage because you are okay. you're you're definitely a team. I mean, she was so so. How how does that dynamic work? Hmm. Husband and wife team. It's day to day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I can be the most difficult person on the world in the planet to be married to. Uh, and and mm-hmm. vice versa, she, and, but <laughs> but uh, I you know I believe truthfully that it starts with an incredible commitment, mm-hmm. and then it's daily work, 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 and just when you think you have given 
everything and you deserve something, that's when you don't deserve shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh uh oh, the wake up call. Uh, you just gotta um, keep giving until everything is perfect and uh, or you can move on. Um, and uh, truthfully, uh, when I, when I met her, there was. I met her at a point in my life, Sarah, where I was almost swearing off of relationships. I remember. And I was like, I'm not even going to date women anymore, especially uh, mm -hmm. I've got some funny date stories from that period. Uh, I'm sure. Oh, That's your next book. It's so hard. <laughs> Wine date and dates. And <laughs> but I, I met this girl and I knew she was different and special from a quality way, almost a, a naive type of thing about her that I mm -hmm. love that's like so pure and so uh, real mm -hmm. and so honest. She's very real. So honest. And that's, you know, I think that's what really keeps it together is that we're just super honest with each other. And it, it also brings out anger and oh, sure. know, stuff. Because you're so real with yeah. one another. But it's, it's pure and it, it's healthy. And I think uh, we're in a good shape. We're now, in our 11th year and wow made congratulations it, made it through some hell and it's you know can't take it for granted but um it, my goal in even thinking about getting married was that i wasn't you know doing it because she's beautiful because she is beautiful she is. i wasn't doing it because she's you know the, the sex monster but no, no complaints there. Is she? <laughs> <laughs> and, but I was doing it because she would ultimately be a great person to grow old with. Oh my goodness. That's and very that's, that's really what I think is gonna be great. You know. That's very and, romantic. I get that from you too. Yeah. And I really enjoyed watching the both of you at the this past show at the Hollywood Improv and laughing and mm. just having a good time. Yeah. It really warmed my heart. Well, uh, so. we will support you, but we <laughs> also are big fans um, and really think that you are um, just, you know, I, I, I can't wait to see what happens for you next because great things happen to great people. Well, I hope so. And, <laughs> I hope so. In this town, sometimes like, oh, really? That you, person? You've done so much. <laughs> you, you, you just got to kind of uh, step back from like, just look at your life a little bit and just see how many great things you've been able to do and where you're at and and how many opportunities you have and mm -hmm. i mean you are in the I, I i still think as as dirty as los angeles is right now it can be pretty filthy and it is still the best place in the world to it live is. and maybe even it better is. to live here now than it was five years ago because it's yeah. like there's so much potential here now i think so and i love i love you know the, the kind of the reshuffling of the deck that this moment yeah. has brought a lot of people left don't let the door yeah, hit get, you in the ass get the, get the fuck out, out and give <laughs> us room on the 405 yeah man like and more room on the 101 for a couple of, of months you know or arizona to or wherever Austin. you went bye-bye yeah. <laughs> bye <laughs> no i mean oh. I, you know i i do think that some of those people will eventually re you know, regret because this is an expensive place to live. It's not everyone can handle it. And, and it is, it is, it is a big investment, but and it comes, comes with benefits. Um, if you can hold on for the ride, <laughs> it's a ride. If you think it, you think you're saving money moving out of the state. You are in for some tough times and there's just, 
I just think that the uh, uh, we're now at I think rock bottom in this marketplace, and I think it's only going to rise. Uh, the real estate market is just on fire here. It is not enough people moved out of freaking L.A. I, I can't even find a I house know. to buy. I kind of yeah, it's I I wouldn't mind if it fell. To There's be honest, five hundred people yeah. looking at a house. Uh, Houses are so in demand Ugh. versus condos. So don't tell me that L.A. is in bad shape because the. I think the governor's got a, an, a, an amazing opportunity here because just think of all the new tax revenue they're going to get off of all these new homes selling at all-time high prices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're going to do just fine. Enough for him to continue going to the French laundry. Uh, so. <laughs> well, someone's got to. <laughs> so everyone, honestly, if you want a great, great, great bottle of wine, order some Beekeeper. Thanks. And if you want to uh, have the ultimate educated education of wine, tune into zoomintowine.com. Mm-hmm. And a or few, meet me at Sarah's show. Uh, yeah, okay. Or, or meet, <laughs> meet at my show at Bottle Shot Comedy. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for your time today. And, you know, normally we would have brunch or lunch or coffee but you're so busy i'm so busy and this is one of the perks of having a podcast i get to catch up with my friends i admire you so much thank you for being in my life thank you for keeping me in yours and uh let's let's make it for the next 25 years yeah let's do it let's do it and i I hope you come back to the show i sure will thanks everyone for tuning in ian blackburn episode 31 yay